This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. All right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. Uh, this week's topic is a little abnormal for us. Uh, so obviously we talked a little bit in last week's episode about how Karsten was basically issued a cease and desist from Wizards where they said, hey, stop giving out metagame data, that's our data, we get to do what we want with it. So in light of that, we figured let's highlight some tools that we use and ways to use existing tools differently now that Frank Karsten's data is no longer there for metagaming, which was actually pretty important financially for people to be able to predict how the meta was going to adapt going yep. forward. So yeah, certainly worth looking at. A absolutely. And, and that one's uh, a little bit difficult because previously you could kind of uh, take a look at the meta and see where things were going and, and figure out that a lot of people were just going to jump on the uh, best deck boat, so to yeah. speak, and you know uh, figure that out. Now you need to pull a couple more aggregate sources to figure things out and where are we going from there and what we're looking at. For me, though, the, the best thing that I've been using for uh, meta is actually uh, mtgmeta.io. And I'm going to bring this, see if I can find this uh, metagame share. Yeah. Um, so, where is it? So, uh, mtgmeta.io, we talked about this uh, last week and I think the week before. And basically what it does is it'll aggregate a deck list for you and you, you'll be able to see yeah. what the aggregate list for anything in particular uh, plays. Right now we're looking at Mono Red Prowess because yeah. it had the second most meta share in Modern. And it will also show you its win percentage against some of the top decks in the field. The yeah. nice thing I, I like about this is that when you are looking at the... Uh, metagame for a given format so we'll go through the process so we're at the metagame page we'll go to modern and we can actually select our date ranges which are very important because you can see that they do right now bind them essentially by um, banned and restricted announcements so you're getting several yep. months worth of data uh, in in one go around and right now we're looking at current data and then we can see as we scroll down the matrix of what does well against what. And you can begin to say, okay, you know, the first one is ad nauseum in the list, just alphabetically. And the matches this has showed up, this is uh, playing uh, against the field in certain percentages. Yeah. And we can take a look at that and see what's kind of creeping up over time and begin to make uh, dedicated decisions. For instance, we know that Kroxa was popping about two weeks earlier than it seemed the majority of people in finance did. You know, people yeah. noticed it at Worlds, but Reed Duke had put a video up earlier. Others had moved in on that in Modern Jund. And if you were following along on uh, mtgmeta.io, by the time most people realized that Kroxa was great in that deck and it effectively brought about a resurgence in uh, the Jund deck, as, long, uh, as well as a slight shift in the modern metagame, that card popped, and it had become yep. a two of in this aggregate on this aggregate website that had been looking at the last three months worth of data. There were enough lists yep. to have changed that data. So having this in front of us was very important. And this tool is uh, very easy to slice and dice. And if you follow them on Twitter, they're actually looking to uh, add additional insight 
and they've been putting out some kind of polls with imagery. You know, what do you get from this? And yeah. I would recommend following them because that's going to be able to teach you how to slice and dice this data as we move forward. This has become one of my go-tos uh, for the last yeah. couple of months when we talk about, oh, I'm trying to build, you know, Amulet with Valka. Do we? What about these cards in the list? You hit the aggregate and say, well, they're playing them in this in these numbers, or nobody's played it yet. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. So. Uh, and I, similar to that, uh, in addition to metagame, I've been using aetherhub.com. Mm -hmm. uh, and this one, so it's interesting because it pulls its data from basically like, here are the tier one lists. Uh, and it pulls it from, it says, major tournaments. So what are major tournaments? Major tournaments are basically anything that is arena championship, NRG series, MTGO challenges, leagues, IQs. They even pull decklists from PTQs at the Magic Fests. Okay. And it's basically, this is the meta at the high-end tables. So it's not quite as informative as, like, metagame, because that obviously goes from broader sources. This is just looking for, like, the top. And I think that, for me, it's been good because keeping up with, like, Legacy, for example, has been pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. Because the Legacy metagame is so diverse, there's so many sources and everything. So seeing, like, the MKM series, for example, is tracked religiously on this site. Yep. And, you know, being a legacy player, I tend to care more about that metagame. So it's allowed me to basically take a look live as things have developed and see what's working where. And in addition to that, if, you know, you want to be super lazy, you can pick the deck list from their dropdown and you can buy it from TCG Player, MKM, or Card Hoarder if you want to rent it. Oh, that's pretty dope. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it's, for me, it's been pretty good. They also have Commander and Brawl. Now, those are basically just user uploads. Okay. Uh, so they, they ping EDH rec as well as their own deck hub for what the most popular uploads are in recent months, which obviously EDH rec is a huge source of information. But if you want like a condensed version, you know, going to the commander page now, Corvald is the most popular post mm -hmm. with 1.68%. So like... There's a lot to choose from, obviously, but it's at least a nice little snapshot for that. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, on that note, obviously, MTG Top 8 and Goldfish are something that we both harp on pretty regularly. Yeah. For, like, this is what's important, this is what's impactful now. And especially because those sites have such a high exposure that, you know, Metagame and Aetherhub are mostly aggregates of information rather than financial drivers. Mm -hmm. It just lets you inform your decision. Whereas like top eight and especially goldfish, those are more financial drivers, in my opinion. And paying attention to that information is like, all right, well, this is where it's going to go. And metagame and Aetherhub are like where it could go. Yes. And just use those four basically as like different tools for different things. This is where the meta's at. Let me see what's popping on metagame. Let me see what's popping on Aetherhub that's good against these. Yep. And then try to swing into those. Uh, I, that way you don't have to wait for Pascal Maynard to post a 5-0 list and then decide, well, I guess I'm getting all the grinding stations. Yeah, right. Ugh. And everybody's, everybody and their mother makes a run for it, and thus everybody sells out quickly and yep. embarrassingly, because that card is just that. Yeah. Brian Gottlieb posted a great photo of a grinding station that he had from when he was playing Standard Demirid and Block that had BOP written on the back. That's how yeah. bad that card was. It was just a proxy. Yeah. That's all it was worth. Um, speaking of stocks, something I wanted to talk about, because I don't know how many people actually use the functionality, and um, this is like one of the last things I actually use this website for. Let's see if I can bring it up here. 
Uh, nope, not going to look good. So uh, the search functionality for stocks. So speaking of Croak, so we'll just stick with that. Um, you select your format. And you can select uh, the level with which you want to search for. And it's going to bring back as many aggregate results as it can. We search for Croxa Titan of Death's Hunger. But the function I want to actually talk about is being able to select any number of uh, decks from the search results and say, okay, what does stocks show is the aggregate build set for all of these things. Yeah. And if you're looking to uh, you know, build your deck with a longer... A historical point of reference, it's going to be stocks yeah. uh, over over decks just because you can select uh, that wide range and kind of build from there. Whenever yeah. I update Amulet Titan, or not Amulet Titan, uh, Valakut, this is what I go to because I know there's a lot of slots that flip between uh, two, four splits in one direction or another, yeah. so I like to see what everybody's playing. And I know the sideboard well enough to guess what people are playing. But uh, you get a huge selection uh, especially when it comes to sideboard cards, and you can see, like, all right, in particular for Jund, Ashok Dream Render is run at a 1.5-ish rate, so you're probably looking to play two no matter what. Yeah. And this is a really good reference, not necessarily for finance, uh, so to speak, but more for playability. It's hard to really pull a lot of um, insight from this because Stocks is missing result sets, and we don't know why yet. Yeah. It is good to see what's going up and down in MetaShare from the results they are getting, and that's just kind of default functionality pasted across all of the formats that they support. Yeah. But attempting to make uh, very specific decisions based on MTG stocks is becoming more and more difficult. Uh, yep. To replace that, I've actually been using uh, mtgdex.net. Yeah. Which has been on top of everything yeah. as far as i can tell that's actually very good yeah yeah it, it doesn't uh, it's it's similar to if anyone used to pay attention to deck chat way back in the day uh it's really accessible it's mm -hmm. an easy to use interface and it's all the information is just right there for you yep and it uh as far as i can tell the the, the data is uh it's super high level so it's just going to show you currently based on all the results they've gathered what percentage of the field is represented by a deck with a given name. And then you can click through that and you can see, okay, these are the decks that have done uh, X in events Y. And then you can start digging in and then check for yourself to see what people are playing. And you get everything. You don't just get top eights and five O's here. Like I've seen a lot of three yeah. twos and things like that. And for the most part, it's spot on. The only thing that I actually have a lot of question about in regards to decks and I this is my fault, and I should have done this a, a little bit better. I don't know where they gather all the information regarding deck names. Yeah. Because if you are a vintage player, those those names do not line up at all. No. Right now, I think Jace Storm is a... It's not a stacks deck, but when you read through it, there are no Storm cards in it at all. It might actually be a survival deck. Uh, let's see. So. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's just the site has it's a little bit of a mentor paradoxical basically is what some of them are and some of them do have survival. Yeah, it, it, the vintage stuff is all over the place, but you can definitely yeah. hit decks and you can see everything that that they that they list, including Highlander, which I assume is essentially EDH but on Moto, so it might be CEDH. But you know they're taking care of uh, Popper Pioneer Frontier, 
basically. Yeah. If you can play an event, sanction it, and submit deck lists for it, they've got it. And this has actually helped me uh, recently looking at uh, Doomsday Piles. Yeah. When uh, I mentioned Doomsday last week, Spoils of the Vault the week before, I gleaned a bunch of information from uh, Dex and the Legacy subreddit just to see, okay, I know I, I Doomsday is always a card I keep my eyes on. It was going up and up and up. You know, people are playing it a little more in EDH now. If you check Rex, it's actually a pretty, high, uh, pretty highly played card. But I wasn't quite seeing it in Legacy yet. And yeah. what was happening behind the scenes was there was there's uh, one or two people just championing Doomsday and Legacy, and those lists hadn't hit yet. They hadn't hit decks or anything else. So cross-referencing the Legacy subreddit, with this got me where I needed to go with Doomsday, and then Spoils of the Vault for Modern was a bit of uh, MTG meta to see where Adnaz was, to see if it had popped yet. Yeah. And it hadn't. It wasn't even on the site for a couple of days. And then we were watching a handful of players uh, try ad nauseum lists, ad nauseum less, ad nauseum lists, yeah. with yeah. more, uh, more filtering, more sleight of hands, more serum visions, and spoils yeah. of the vault to win. Basically, the the turn you cast uh, yeah. Thassa's Oracle. And so, <clears throat> using. Uh, decks and meta i was able to kind of craft that pick a little bit ahead of time and uh, get there before it really took off yeah which i think is very important because you know i talking about wanting to stay ahead of the game and what we do as like financiers you need to be informed and the only person that's going to do that is yourself mm -hmm. uh can't tell you how many times we've seen some post on this subreddit and then, like, everyone gets in on FOMO because FOMO is real. And they just get end up getting hosed on it mm -hmm. because they just don't properly prepare for it. It's like, come on, guys. Yep. You know better. 100%. Uh, there's a, a little bit more I do in regards to stuff like stocks and how I filter, which I think is also yeah. important to talk about. I don't know if you do anything specific there. As far as filtering and stuff goes, I generally, it depends on the format. So when I look at the recent decks, for example, and I look at a card like Kroxa, mm -hmm. to use your earlier example, looking at the recent decks, uh, the top five recent decks, it's all modern. So I know we're about to head into modern season. Mm -hmm. So paying attention to those on stock specifically is a lot more important because, you know, and I'll touch on this later, heading into modern season, these cards that we've seen sort of like taper off, not that Croaks is one of them because it's obviously gone up, uh, they're where the opportunity is. Yep. That's what you're going to see as we head into modern season and people get back on the grind for a format which everyone assumed was dead. So that's, that's the important thing for me to look into is what format-wise in the top decks for a card is important to look at. And if I see a card where it's five standard, well, then I probably don't really need to pay too much attention to it in modern unless I can see some interaction that's important for it to have. Yep. So. Well, that's understandable. Um, in regards to stocks, I've kind of made it an at-a-glance yep. application for me. So my filters, I'll see if I can show them real quick, are, are pretty basic. I keep my percentage at min, which is two, but my, my difference has got to be a dollar. And that yeah. allows me to, to take a look at anything that is statistically significant from the previous day. Because yeah. if you drop the difference below a dollar, you get a lot of noise. But you 
you filter out m more better options, but you lose some as well. So for instance, Guardian yeah. Project, which is now a $5 card, and if you missed it, it's gone until they reprint it because it was only in uh, Rav Allegiance and yeah. uh, the pre-re kit. Yeah. It, never coming back, but looking at the price graph... That's an EDH card. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you read it, and obviously, but it didn't hit my filter because my difference is a dollar. Had I set yeah. it lower, I might have been able to actually get in on a Guardian project, and this weekend CK was buying them for like 285 cash, so maybe like yeah, 320 credit. Yeah. 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 So, uh, stocks is definitely something you need to, to play around with uh, a little more than almost anything else because it's two sliders it's only yeah. two sliders but it makes a world of difference it does so uh there's a point where when i was talking to somebody in the industry a couple of years ago they were telling um we were talking about stocks and they said they like to actually keep their filters at the lowest possible settings but note the smallest gainers throughout uh yeah. weeks and then start to move in on those hmm. and put them on their buy list so that they could stock them for when the actual demand comes and the example they cited yeah. was Necroskitterer or Necroskitter, whatever, before yeah. it was reprinted in Modern Masters. That card just went up cents a day, a day, cents, 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 cents. And eventually, demand hit, and it popped to somewhere between 2 and $3 from bulk. So for them, what they were doing, like I said, was looking at the lowest percentage gainers and noting yeah. them day after day. And that was how they did things and noted when they needed to start putting cards on their buy list because demand was coming. You know, it wasn't two days, it wasn't three days, it was five, six, seven, eight. The card was just going up and up and up. And that that's indicative of the lowest price versions being sold from TCG Player at that point in time. Because market didn't exist. It was just average. Yeah. Which means the average goes up and up and up as the floor creeps up and up and up. And that was a good indicator for them. I've turned it back yeah. on. It's not bad, but you know this. This is a, a for you kind of thing. Whatever you're, you want to do, you do. Yeah. What whatever your preference is or what data you want to base off of, that's the thing. Is like there there are only two sliders, so it seems like not a lot, but the amount of information you can gain from just those two sliders mm -hmm. is huge. You just have to know what it is you're looking for, and then just go for it. Yep. No, hundred percent. Um, there's some other stuff that I use as well, but before I continue on, is there anything anything more you use? Uh, I mean, those are the big ones. Uh, and then, of course, you know, there's like we have a, as the Cabal, we have some scrapers and stuff that we use that's more of like a personal software thing yep. that I think are just useful for searching and, you know, trader tools is a prime example. When you're looking to unload, knowing the best place to unload, where the best buy numbers are, something like trader tools on uh, quiet spec can be good for that Yep. because it, it does allow you to get a snapshot of it'll tell you what's the best buy list for this card what's the worst what has the best retail and stuff like that that i think is more of a customizable and once you really get into the nitty-gritty of mtg finance that's when you start doing those things yep uh, absolutely um a quick hit before i talk about some of the development stuff which, which you touched on is um edh rex top cards you can actually mm -hmm. find some interesting things in there that creep up in popularity before price and it's very easy to find it's just right along the top in cards top cards you can the saltiest ones are generally an interesting place to look because they still uh 
keep a myriad of band cards on there. But if you start looking yeah. by color, that's where you note a couple of weeks ago that like Wheel of Fortune was actually uh, less played than a number of other uh, red rares. Yep. That weren't wheel effects and just generic effects that should be everywhere. So you can kind of look ahead and say, okay, if these effects are good enough to be in enough generic decks, there is no specific general to them, like Punisher cards that go in Zozu style decks and Punisher. Like, yeah. You can say, okay, maybe it's time to move in on those. Um, Wild Ricochet and the Fork with Buyback. Great. What's the... Uh, uh, reiterate? Well, Reiterate, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Like, reiterate is up and down all the time. All the time. And let me see if I can bring this up on stacks real quick. It's a Time Spiral Rare, never been reprinted, so it only has uh, a foil and on from Time Spiral. And you can see, you know, right after BFZ, after a steady climb, it it starts going up and down and up and down. And this is one of the cards. Yeah. When you start watching the top red cards and you can see if that start if that card starts to climb a popularity, you can move in. It is a nine dollar card right now, but if they're available, you yeah. can still pick them up and add them for a profit later. Yep. Um, it's pretty good. Absolutely. So the development resource I want to talk about, and I've used this before, but we I didn't have anywhere to store it long term, so I could I could only show current prices is uh, MTG mtg json and basically what this does is it's a gatherer search combined with a uh, price aggregation from mtg stocks and tcg player despite the fact that they're pretty much the same data right now and um a little bit of uh, what's the right word standardization in regards yeah. to uh, naming, identifying by number, etc. And the reason I want to bring this up is because people do ask about historic pricing data, and this service does offer historics. So you just have to know how to hit the historical file, and you can start parsing through it yourself. You can either start running through it and storing it somewhere for your own usage, or build your own tool that hits the service and can pull the individual uh, data for the day and then just begin tracking naturally. This doesn't yep. pull any hard data from DCG player in regards to population or um, number of uh, vendor count with the card. You still need TCG player API for that, but this is at least a really good trend tracking tool if you have the ability and the know-how uh, to use it. Again, like I said, I, I've done it before and I've effectively made it my own little like gatherer, but without the uh, with, without the way to store the files and ask, and ask access and report on the data it was uh, almost useless yeah for, for my purposes but a plus resource if if that's your game yeah it's very good and i think that that's you know is as we move into i guess the next generation of mtg finance and mtg financiers uh this type of software is the stuff that's really going to be what drives the industry and finance as a whole yeah is seeing like okay how can i automate this process how can i get the most aggregate data possible mm-hmm. with the least amount of effort so yes. something like json or a custom tool is going to be perfect for that yep. because it will get you exactly what you need when you need it yes and that that's why services like quiet spec just work because they're pull yeah. they built their own service for people to hook into for a vendor to hook into not people to hook into and offer their buy list numbers through their service to you know, yeah. people that pay for it. 
but it's a brilliant service and a brilliant model and we wholeheartedly advocate for that because it allows you to maximize your time and your profits and that's what we champion here yeah you go you do it you just make your money hand how over can fist. you spend the least amount of time to get the best possible return and that's where it is yep and that's what all these tools are about Yep. Everything we talked about is something we use. It's something you can use on a daily basis. Like I said, um, everything that I try and do is at a glance in the morning. So I yeah. try to make things as quick and easy for me to read as possible. And in doing so, I built a handful of tools for myself and uh, you know our, our Patreon members to take advantage of when they're surfing around uh, Card Kingdom and some other sites. And yep. it just becomes incredibly helpful. You would... You always underestimate the convenience of something like this. You're like, oh, I can just sit here and click on a bunch of links from a document that I built and have to update manually and redo every couple of weeks. And like, mm. that's not max convenience. No, I and that's that's the thing I think a lot of people miss out on is the valuation of time. Mm -hmm. And tools like this make it so that yeah, I can spend five minutes doing what used to take me five hours. Yep. And it's just done. I'm ready to go. I'm moving on. And that's what we're all here to do. Like I said, save yeah. money. Sorry, save time, make money. As easily as possible. Uh -huh. yep. And uh, it's a good time to show. Like I said, we are working on yeah. products for our, our, our patrons. I, there's a project that went up a couple weeks ago. Another one went out today. There's another one in the works that hits... Uh, direct buy list yep and just will you feed it any mat but you know all these tools you feed it cards and it will just output buy list numbers yeah or you know in some cases it has to be direct links because people don't serve up a, a convenient buy list to ingest but you know this is something that we're doing something we're offering so if you want to make life easy it's just a dollar to access some of this stuff yep all right worth it absolutely because i built it picks <laughs> yes. So, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'll start here. We're getting into modern season. Mm -hmm. So modern cards, which had kind of flattened off and been a little dead, you're going to start to see improve and come back on the up and up. Mm -hmm. And I know I touched a little bit earlier, a few episodes ago, on Fetchlands. Uh, I am specifically picking here Cons of Tarkir Polluted Delta. And the reason for this is until Breach gets banned, which I feel like is inevitable and going to happen, and even after Breach gets banned, Grixis is a really good color combination in Modern right now. Command is probably the best piece of removal in the entire format that's not Path. Or Fatal and, Push. Or Fatal Push, yeah. But being able to answer an Emery and a Mishra's Bobble or something else is just great mm -hmm. when... Pascal Maynard's list is all over the place, and Underworld Breach is dumb. And if you take a look at the stocks graph, uh, this is the lowest right now that Delta has been since February of last year. So we're at a year-long low, and we're about to get into modern season, and presumably we're getting Scalding Tarn and all those in a return to Zendikar. Don't know for sure, but that's when Shocklands rotate, blah, blah, blah. We can talk about that ad nauseum. But... Polluted Delta is my pick because Grixis is good, and because additionally, as we all know, price memory is a thing. And blue-black lands have the best price memory. Mm -hmm. Underground Sea, Watery Grave, 
polluted delta. Underground river. Prime example. Drowned Underground capital. river. Yeah, at any of those. They just, for whatever reason, ever since the olden days, blue-black is the strongest color combination. Those lands are worth the most money. That's just how it is. Yep. Even when it's not the strongest color combination in a format, it's the strongest color combination in the format because of price memory. Yep. And uh, So it's not just the Underworld Breach-style decks that are using these. You're also looking at Death Shadow builds that yep. use them. Uh, that deck is still a fan favorite. It's not doing terribly well uh, at the moment, but it definitely is a thing uh just generic uh urza thopter sword the control yeah. or grixis warza plays it as well this is one of the you know pieces of glue for that deck uh, as opposed to tarn which doesn't go across all of that you know yep you might i'm trying to think i think i played one tarn in or maybe two tarn in grixis death shadow but i played more deltos because it got everything yeah and it is Always the cornerstone. Conveniently, though, piggybacking off of your pick, you can't play my pick without your pick. And my pick is Emery, Lurker of the Loch. So Emery, yeah. for whatever reason, is on the downswing. Emery's on the downswing. You can't play the Grinding Station combo deck without Emery. You can't play the Urza combo decks without Emery. You can't play... Stopper Sword without Emery. Emery yep. is what allows Mox Amber to replace Mox Opal on turn two. Emery as a card with affinity and the ability to continue to buy back your artifact shenanigan strategy is short of breach the glue as well as the combo engine for a lot of these decks. Yeah. There's no aside from the fact that there's uh Every version of this card, you have set, you have set foil, you have pre-release foil, you have extended art and extended art foil. There's no promo pack yet, right? So there's five five printings of Emery. Yeah. And there's if people are buying Grinding Station for this deck, they have to be buying Emery too. We can sure do. It. Yep, and we'll take a look at the, again at the stock ref, and you can see... That the market's riding a little low now. It has yeah. been for a while. It's always been under. But we haven't actually had the grinding station deck pop off. Yeah. The version... So far, it's been a tweet. Yep. Uh, and there was one. There was one copy at the Star City event the week before their team opened. Yeah. They've, Two... I've, or three weeks ago? It was three, maybe? It was the Grinding Station combo. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it on uh, Top 8 real quick. It, sure. It was the the Grinding Station combo, and you got to watch it on camera. It wasn't tuned. It had one Grinding Station. The new version runs four. And yeah. that just makes it infinitely more resilient and reliable. Yep. Uh, but let's see. Urza, uh, Star City Classic. Let me this up you can see came in th somewhere between third and fourth at the classic in indianapolis there's an iq came second and another iq uh grand prix austin it was there this this is just grinding station we're looking at yeah you know this has been around for a hot minute now with emery yeah without emery and it was a card that prior to that casuals loved i i remember when this card came out 
and it was similar to the picture that was posted of what it looked like when it was in standard, where it was drawn with a bop. You had your station combo deck. It wasn't good, but you played it. Yep. And, and like Emery's not a hugely popular uh, card in EDH as a commander or uh, in the deck itself, so you're not really going to be looking at uh, a lot of movement there. You're never going to really see it in uh, Oathbreaker. It's not needed in the, in the Jace Wielder deck. It's just another piece. This card is meant to combo, and combo it does. Right now it's in mm -hmm. modern as we move uh, further towards the Magic Fest season where we have six large high-profile events coming up. The better the Grinding Station deck does, the harder and faster the subsequent mandatory pieces of this deck will move. If you go back and you look through Pascal Maynard's tweet history from the other night, he played two different uh, Grinding Station combo decks. They were both base blue-red for Breach and for yeah. uh, Emery. The end. I, I think also, touching on the comment I made later about how Breach almost has to get banned, Emery is a card that existed in Urza for a little bit when Oko was in the format. Yep. Emery has too many synergies that even in the event of a ban in, of Breach, inevitably it's going to be in some other broken deck. Oh, yeah. It's just how it is. Yeah, so they, I think that even, you know, if you get in and you're not able to get out before a ban hits, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I think you're still fine. Yeah, this this is a card that doesn't quite reach down into older formats yet, but it can. It, yeah. It absolutely, absolutely can. Uh, apparently, it's in Steel Stompy and Oryx Salvager combo deck lists in uh, Vintage. Uh, yeah. Or is, Oh, sorry. Sorry, that's in Legacy. In Vintage, it's apparently in what we termed the Jace Storm deck earlier. Jace Storm, Urza Engine, and Paradoxical Storm are all essentially the same deck, but they're all abusing the synergies that uh, Emery provides by allowing you to return that return that artifact and then yeah. mull over whatever mull over whatever you need, whatever you can set up in older formats. You know, this card takes off there. At that point, it'll never come back. I don't think we're not seeing that Emery was the incorrect card to leave in the format and take Mox Opal instead, but yeah. we are most likely going to see that shortly with Mox Amber taking the place of Opal. You're not going to see Amber banned because it only powers this one card. Yeah. And if you remove the one card, Amber goes back to being nothing. And as you said, yep. memory just offers too much. It's way better than the reverse Goblin Welder, uh, whatever that one is, from Modern Horizons. Yeah, strictly worse Goblin Welder. Yeah. That's all I call it. Uh, that, that card came and went. It was in Modern Horizons, it was in the Grixis Urzalus for Hot Minute, and immediately got replaced with Emery. The end. Yep. That's all you need for, to, to just make that card better. It's just a 1-2 that costs a blue, because it has literally the keyword, or the unkeyworded version of Affinity. Yeah. Just call it affinity. At two and two dollars and twenty cents, there's no reason that you can't or shouldn't move in on these, especially in trade. Yeah. If you have modern players in the area, there a lot of them are most likely going to want to play the best deck, and this is going to definitely turn out to be one of the best decks. You know, yeah. breach just does it. It can't quite uh, protect itself well enough with force of negation because you have to pay for that on your turn. Yeah, but you true. still have cheap interaction in the form of 
uh, spell pierce and mono leak. You can you can still get work done to protect yourself if people do start adjusting to this combo. And yeah. even with graveyard hate, you, you're you're still essentially base blue, which has infinite ways to deal with onboard permanence and then catch them on the way back down, or reset them as the turn you go off. Yeah, yeah. It is. it's too much advantage, I think, play-wise, mm -hmm. for yep. a lot of decks to keep up with when there's only one or two efficient pieces of removal for the card, and you can get use out of it the turn after you play it. Yeah, and it, it gives every artifact flashback. Yeah, one a turn. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be like Spoils of the Vault. This is going to be, pick it up now, you got to wait for Modern Season to, to really kick off. You know, so we see some of these results coming in. So you have a window of opportunity right now before this card, you know, picks up. If you had yeah. all the money in the world to spend on different versions of this card, I would still probably move in on the set non-foil because it is the cheapest version, thus the most accessible, and most likely yeah. the easiest one to churn. The foil full art is like 40-some dollars, maybe close to 50. I checked the other day. Dumb. Yeah, I had some credit floating around. I was like, oh, a cube update, but I'm not paying 50 for that thing right now. No, no, but it's pretty pretty rough. Yeah, this is this is a card I've been. It's taken too long to pop. Yeah, and I and I think part of it was being devalued by a million different versions of the card existing, as we have touched on ad nauseum about how bad that is. Yeah, and a and a larger push for Pioneer. Now yeah. that Watsi is going to be pulling back from Pioneer and pushing Modern more. Now we can start looking at modern cards like fetches, like engine cards, like Emery as possible yeah. financial uh, vehicles. You got to watch out with secret layers and some of the other things coming down the pipe. But I, unless Emery is added into is it not next quarters, but when they redo the promo packs, Emery could be added to that. But that's the only time you're going to get hoisted by a brand new version in non foil. Yeah, true. So. This is a card I would definitely look into, like I said. And who knows, maybe it takes over the Memnarch spot, uh, spot as the commander of the dick mono-blue EDH deck. That would be great. Because <laughs> that's all that deck needs. Yep. An another way to do that. But, but, uh, that's enough rambling for me tonight. i got to get going and get some stuff done with uh, this next application. But we're here next week. We're here every week. You can catch us at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter. You can find me at Halt I am Reptar. Uh, po currently poking Justin Parnell to try and get some cube input. Nice. Uh, you can find me at Thirsty Sizzler. And we are located at MTG Cabalcast on Patreon. And if you're interested in you know what we do, the services we are providing through these you know that the applications we're building, the giveaway March 9th, or even coming to see us at the NAMI event, May 2nd. It's going to be gas. It's only a dollar. See you guys Worth next it. week. See ya.